and welcome back to another edition of 30 Rack of Sports. We are back here for the new year. No more holiday specials until the next holiday. Until our Valentine's Day special. Ooh. Where we dress scantily clad. <laughs> uh, I don't know how. I'd, this is a podcast. <laughs> that would just be for your enjoyment, <laughs> sir. <laughs> so I far, you haven't, really, uh, you haven't really convinced me otherwise. But uh, we're back. Still some big news going on in Ohio. Uh, you know, playoffs about to start, which means a lot for some teams. And nothing for other teams that are already prepping for the draft. So, uh, but we'll, I mean, we'll talk all of it. Uh, Talks and Browns. With football season being over, we're, we're getting you back into uh swing of things with some winter sports. Talking some college basketball. And kind of the youth movement in some of the winter sports, especially the uh, the Jackets and the Cavs. And then Friday, we have our big preview show, Wild Card Round. Oh, boy. Saturday afternoon, the Las Vegas Raiders go to Cincinnati. I didn't even know they were playing football this weekend. Just because my team's got to buy, you know. <laughs> you know, Zach, speaking of the fact that your team's playing in the playoffs, Josh, your team's playing in the playoffs, I figured we would just start the show with some fun playoff stats. Get the mood going, right? All right. Sounds good. Fun. Uh, so to my right is the Packers fan, Zach. Zach, did you know that uh, Aaron Rodgers is tied for the worst quarterback or worst record by a quarterback in conference championships for any quarterback that's played five or more conference championships? I mean, I never thought of that, but it, if you had asked me that question, I definitely would have he, uh, come up with that. So the, the five <laughs> like, quarterbacks that have lost four conference championships, uh, Brady, McNabb, McNabb Steve Young, mm-hmm. and Kenny Stabler. All None Hall of, of Famers, so I don't know. <laughs> like, but he would be the first ever quarterback to lose five and would lose five straight. Yeah, if rough. they make it to the conference championship, so. that'd be tough. You know but what? Three and six in your lifetime in conference championships. Yeah, so it's pretty bad. But I know he's about yeah, to do one better. Yeah, I know. That's better. why everybody's like, "Oh, who's your team goes far?" No, it sucks when they make it that far and constantly disappoint you. Yeah, I mean, your backseat to Rex Grossman. I'm. I'm. That's, that's tough. Sexy Rexy baby. But Josh. To my left on the on the ones and twos. Any idea what we might be talking about here? Uh, does the number 10,967 mean anything to you? It does. Because does. that will be the number of days since January 6, 1991. So that would be the gap if the Bengals are to win on Saturday. 0-8 uh, in playoff games since that fateful day, 1991. Never scoring more than 17 points. Uh, in that time, all 123 teams in the Big Four and several that don't exist anymore, including like you know the Quebec Nordiques, the Old Browns, and New Browns. You know, iterations back, of a lot of going teams going have won a playoff game in series. There are three teams that have not won a playoff matchup, and that's game or series. Three other teams, sorry, aside of the Bengals, that haven't won a game or series since the year 2000. I'm sure you can guess one of them, Josh. Uh, yeah, I'm the Jags. No, the Jags oh. went to the, the AFC Oh, game. yeah, that's right. Um, <laughs> the Browns. The Browns won a playoff game last year. Very uh, close. Oh, yeah. What was the question? Haven't won a playoff <laughs> game or series. I don't think Josh has ever watched football. Since 2000. <laughs> One of them is very easy for you, aside of the Bengals. 
You may watch them regularly too. And it's been since '95. Reds. Oh, we're talking in all of sports. In all of sports. Oh, Series oh or, yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. Reds, obviously. <laughs> um, There's only one other NFL team. And then the last one I'd be amazed if you got. Yeah, I don't know. The Detroit Lions. Oh, yeah. And the Florida Panthers, who went to the that Stanley Cup. That was going to be my guess. You didn't give me an opportunity. Stanley Cup in 1997. Oh, wow. And haven't won a game, haven't won a series since. So wow. We're going to talk about a lot about that uh, that week in that January week of 1991 on Friday. Well, then if you want to go back even further. Oh, we're going to right, uh, keep going. Okay. 1991. My name's Greg. I'm the Browns fan around here. And my team hasn't won a division title since the AFC Central Ooh. of 1989. Um, there are actually three teams that have not won a division title since realignment in 1999. Jaguars' last one was in 99. Uh, the Lions, who last was also a central division. Yeah. And then the Bills in 95 won the AFC East. The Browns are also one of just four teams to have never appeared in a Super Bowl. Uh, and actually tie the Jaguars for the most appearances in a championship game without a win. Jaguars 0-3 in AFC championships along with the uh, along with the Browns. Although the Jags was a little bit more recent, you know, 90s. Yeah. A couple years ago, Browns was all in the 80s. So, some, just some fun stats to get Jags, us all started. Jags history really slipped my mind there. Jags history is, is <laughs> wild. <laughs> like, two of their first four years they were in the AFC championship. And I could go down a rabbit hole about how that was awful because then they changed the expansion draft rules and then the teams, you know, like the Browns and the Texans were kind of behind the eight ball at the beginning. Right. So stuff like that kind of happens. But, uh, I meant you know, Tony all of us. Jags, I think. Yeah, that's yeah, like, uh, that's, yeah. I mean, that's like the Mark Brunel, Tom Cotton. Right, 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 right. Yeah. Because yeah. not even the, I mean, the Del Rio Jags were okay, but they were never great. No. And then it was still, yeah, it was still the, the Blake Bortles Jags the that Bortles. they got back, of course. So, um, just to keep us all on the same level, some of us are a little bit higher than others with teams being one seeds or in the playoffs or having the 13th draft pick, you know, kind of all over the board. So I think it's important, uh, for us to all get in the right mind frame, but you know what? Mindset. I think we've also got a great beer to get us in the right mindset from That's a true. place that actually means a lot, means a little bit to both Zach and I. So yeah, interesting. We will get didn't into it. Didn't exist more than two months ago. Yeah, a brewery that wow. didn't exist. A brewery that's based off of uh, one of the big restaurants in the area. Well, guys, that will do it for another regular season of the NFL with the first 17-game season coming to a close with some excitement in other places, but mostly a whimper in the Battle of Ohio. Uh, week 18 featured this Battle of Ohio that wasn't exactly one for the ages, with a backup QB matchup between Brandon Allen and Case Keenum, which neither QB passed for 200 yards in a 21-16 victory for Cleveland. This does end an up-and-down season for the Browns, with some good and some bad. Some good, they did avoid finishing in last place in the division, or with 10-plus losses, either of which would have been for the 16th time since coming back in 1999. Also, stretches their winning streak versus the Bengals to four games, which is the longest since uh, just before the Browns went away in 90, so 92 to 95, uh, when they won seven straight. It did, however, push the Browns back to number 
13 in the draft order with a win as we move into the best season for Browns fans, draft season, one that we're very familiar with. One of the more hopeful seasons. Uh, for the Bengals, that loss did push them to the fourth seed, but still, you know, home field in the first round. And the wild result Sunday night uh, with the Raiders and the Chargers means they'll face the Las Vegas Raiders on Saturday afternoon as they look for their first playoff win in 30 years. Uh, the college football season ended last night. Georgia beat Alabama 33-18. to uh, Who cares? Uh, we move on to next year in Ohio, where the Buckeyes and Bearcats are already gearing up for next year. Both sit in the top 20 of uh, the way-too-early top 20. Top 25. Both sit in the top 20 of the top 25. Both sit in the top 40 of recruiting, with Ohio State in the top four. And the Bearcats at 38, which is way better than any other G5 team, of course. Uh, moving to the hardwood, college basketball is starting to get back into the swing of things. Conference plays finally getting going after a slow start due to postponements. Uh, last week, though, kind of an up-and-down week for most teams in the state. Uh, starting with Ohio State, they had easily their worst offensive game of the year, uh, shooting 30% from the field and losing a midweek game to Indiana, 67-51, to before a big bounce-back win versus Northwestern. Uh, the Bearcats put together one of their best performances of the year on Thursday, beating SMU 77-60 before losing a heartbreaker to Memphis on Sunday. Xavier had yet another game postponed early in the week before finally getting back to the court and getting a Friday night win versus Butler. Dayton started conference play, unfortunately losing a crusher to VCU on a uh, late three before rebounding against George Washington with a huge win. But in some other good news, the Horizon and the Max still sit in Ohio's grasp. So Cleveland State, no U, leading the way in those leagues and making up two of the four teams ESPN currently has in the tournament for uh, Ohio. In the pro ranks, the Cavs have gotten back to their winning ways with a solid 2-1 start to their Western road trip, including a 109-108 win in Sacktown last night thanks to a last-second defensive stop by new addition Rajon Rondo. The Cavs continue their six-game Western swing Wednesday in Salt Lake before finishing up this weekend in San Antonio and OKC. On the ice, the Jackets finally got back in the win column Saturday with a 4-3 victory over the Devils, snapping a four-game losing streak and finally getting them in the winning column in 2022. But they'll need to regain a lot more of that early season magic if they want to stay in playoff contention. Guys, those are your OH headlines. For this week's Beer of the Week, we go to Parma, Ohio. Parma. Uh, a new brewery that just opened just about two months ago in Schnitz Ale Brewery in Parma, Ohio. Uh, those of you that may be familiar with uh, Parma, they have a uh, place that opened up in 2005, a big restaurant called the Schnitzel House. And they recently opened right across the street a brewery to go along with it called... Mm -hmm. Schnitz ale, which kind of sounds like schnitzel. Ah. Uh -huh. uh, <laughs> hey. <laughs> we have a couple beers. We're drinking one uh, for the Tuesday show. We also have another one, a bonus beer for our bonus. Friday show. Do -do 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 -do. But uh, for this one, we are starting with a Rausch beer, which is um, their uh, Schnitz Ale Brewery's Smokestack. So a Rausch beer, um, more or less 
translates to a smoked beer. So they, they kind of bring back uh, the, the smoky flavors, smoky, you know, malted grain and whatnot. So um, malt is usually smoked over a certain kind of wood, like a beech wood, which kind of gives that pleasant smoky flavor. So uh, I think we've had a Roush beer on before. We've talked about it a little bit, but for those of you that, you know, may have missed that episode, that's kind of what a Roush beer is. They're also known sometimes as uh, bacon beers because they kind of have that smoky mm, bacon, okay. you know, kind of yeah. smell to it. What are you guys' thoughts on the uh, on the Roush beer? Big fan. Uh, yeah, I really like really, it. It's very good. It, it's, uh, it feels like it's straight out of the toaster mm-hmm. or something. You know, it's it, I, it's got like a toast. Right, but it doesn't overpower kinda. you, though. It builds, you know, on your palate a little bit. Yeah, it's not... I wouldn't describe it as smoky. I would Uh-oh. describe I it as... I think it's pretty smoky. Toasty. Like, compared to, compared to like, your, your, like, real smoky IPAs or, like, your smoky porters, this is much like, more, yeah. like, mild. And, I get what Yeah, you're I will say... Yeah. When I first, you know, saw the beer, because uh, once again, shout out to the old man who uh, picked out the beer from Parma. Doctor. Uh, he, uh, you know, he just gave me the, the two different beers, and the one just said smoke sacked, and it just it just says the beer, says, you know, it's 6.1 ABV. And I figured most of the smoked beers that I've had are, are these smoked porters. Yeah. You know, we've had, I guess we've had a couple Roush beers, but normally when I think of it, I think of smoked porters, heavy, like. Man, a tall yeah. boy of a you know of a smoked <laughs> beer that's going to be a lot. But this is uh you know this is a really nice refreshing beer. It's it's definitely like a like a fall winter beer because it kind of has that like yeah you know, sitting by a campfire taste to it. But mm-hmm. it's overall it's a really Crisp, really good beer. Nice clean finish. Yeah, and uh, you know for a new brewery you know sometimes you got to work the kinks out for a little mm-hmm. bit. But this is a this is a very good beer. Uh, for those of you in Parma. Almost right at the corner of uh, Snow and Pearl Road, right in the middle of Parma, uh, right across the street from the restaurant. So, a uh, lot of good beers over there, and uh, certainly excited to be enjoying this, this route here. Another beer that we have uh, you know, in the tank for the, for the Friday episode. You know, some schnitzel, some German, talking a little worst, the worst of the worst. And uh, good segue. Very easy to find, you know, the worst right now in, in Cleveland. Uh, a disappointing season, you know, an underwhelming season. I guess not the worst Brown season of all time because they won games, but you know, <laughs> when the bar is that low, you know, it's not it's exactly a typical Cleveland season when you have for any Cleveland team. When there's With expectations, expectations yeah. they're never gonna, yep. they're always gonna fall apart. So we take a look at a Browns team, you know, that finished eight and nine. Technically finished in third place uh, on tiebreak ahead of the Ravens, so they'll get a third place schedule next year. How about another team Yippee. that just like um, wild? Yeah, but they also were starting like their their second and third string quarterbacks at the end. There. No, I know, like, I they, know. They so. really had some injuries, but yeah, but I mean, both teams. You know, you're kind of looking at the looking in the mirror. I think before the season, I would have thought it was much more believable if the standings were the other way around you know ravens browns steelers yeah that's Bengals. like that's what most people predicted yeah so i guess you know who who do we blame here josh who who who's the worst of the worst on the browns who do we blame for this season going on i i still it's not i'm not saying fire him 
I'm not saying anything you're like gonna, that. I just you're gonna take the easy way out. You're gonna blame Stefanski. Yeah, I'm gonna, <laughs> you have to blame Stefanski at some point, um, and he has to own. I think it's not more we need to blame him. It's that he needs to own some of the blame. I don't know. I just I feel like I don't hear him. Oh no, not at Like not to not to compare him to Zach Taylor, and this <clears throat> certainly isn't a bright spot for Zach Taylor. But at least you'll hear him say like. Oh yeah, I had no idea what play to call, or yeah, I, I had no idea what I was doing there, or yeah, I called a timeout in the wrong spot. At least yeah. he, you know, admits it and everything. The one thing I've heard from Stefanski is it kind of worries me a little bit about him because it reminds me of Marvin Lewis at the end a little bit. We is just got to be better. Yeah, yeah. It's just like you can't just every week be up on the podium. We need to do better. I got to do better. Yeah. We need to do better. We be better. Uh, you know, he still has three years on his contract. And I think this year was a bit of anomaly. The Browns just got kind of with COVID and injuries and everything. But but that's part of managing an NFL roster. Exactly. It's not always going to be like that. Certainly, that'll probably be the worst it ever was. I mean, at one point, literally almost 50% of the roster was yeah. not, not able to be active in some capacity. But I don't know. And then as a play caller, too, I mean, Greg... The amount of third downs and especially fourth downs. Brown's had the third worst conversion rate on fourth down, only 41% this season. Like some of those calls, and I'll leave this to both of you because there are specific ones in the Browns Packers game oh my God. that I think were extremely questionable. Oh my God. I, I just have a just a quick, not game planning for backups. Oh, no, no, yeah. Just no, a, that was just a quick question. If you had, you know, maybe a quarterback that you maybe had a little bit less trust in later in the season, would you throw the ball more? <laughs> That's or usually would the answer. you run the ball more? It's usually you... the response. Now, now, do you have two of the best running backs in your backfield? <laughs> or just one? <laughs> or, just, yeah. or just one schmo? <laughs> yeah, let's say, you know, We'll say maybe there's a little bit of a loss in yards per carry, maybe just over five yards per carry to like you know four point only four point nine yards per carry, which oh. I know I understand oh. is difficult to yeah. you know, wrap your head around. Whoa! Uh, throw the ball more or less? You'd think less, Greg. You would think less. Uh, so first nine games, they um, had about thirty rushes a game, averaged five point three yards per carry. Had uh, over 100 rush yards seven times. And also averaged over 200, you know, 200 yards per game passing. 29 passes. So 59 plays, just over 50% rushing. Second half of the season, 58.5 plays. 26.5 rushes per game. Still at 4.9 yards per game. 32 passes a game. But you fall from 220 yards per game to 167. So obviously there's an issue throwing the ball. Right. You're still running the ball well, but it switches. I mean, three plays per game go the other way. Guess what happens later in the season? You're kind of stinky and you lose those games. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, in the in the last eight games, they only rushed over 100 yards four times. They were three and one. Astonishing. They were three and one in those games. And they were three and zero in those games that they didn't throw four interceptions. Their <laughs> offensive line and their backfield—that's just abs- oh, it's stupid. absurd. It's no, I'm I'm on your train. I'm I'm on the Stefanski train. I think. I think we all are. I mean, 100. <laughs> percent There's nobody else who's thought this is. I mean, yeah, unless, hey, Greg's on the whole squad. Unless we found out Andrew Barry was 
had a phone and was telling Stefanski what to do. I can't. No, imagine. no, we've already had that. We've already had that. No, I know. I don't believe. That's my point. It's on him. Uh, yeah, the Packers game. Clearly, I as a Packers fan, I'm sitting there watching, and I'm glad they did him. But you're sitting there like, why is he dropping back to pass every time? Like they yeah. could not. They could have literally ran the ball. I think back to. Um, you know, like what the Patriots did to beat the Bills, right? I mean, he threw three passes. I'm like, the Browns could have done that, and they would have won that game. Yep. Against, you know, I mean, at that point, that's part. That's right in the middle of what I would say is where everything really went wrong for the Browns. They had they played the Raiders, Packers, Steelers, three consecutive games. Easily just looking at two of those three are very winnable. The other one, the Packers at that point were quite depleted. They, they should have won that game. I mean, they lose by two to the Raiders, score 14 points, lose by two to the Packers. Um and then 12 to the Steelers and just... But that was a late know, touchdown. And yeah, exactly. Like a, but my point is... The Raiders was the game that every, like half the team was out with COVID. But still, but still, you could have had a better game plan. And I would say... Yeah. I would say the blame goes to just... I think you wasted a thinking. defense, too. We're, not, we're yeah. talking about two. I thought overall, I thought that was maybe somewhat questionable in some areas. They didn't I get the... They, they got off to a slow well. start, I yeah. think. Well, and they finished minus three in the turnover department, though. But, but that's more the on the offense yeah, than it is the defense. I was going to say, you know, the way I put it is thinking, just being smarter is really the biggest issue. Because Baker either should have sat or should have been smarter with his decisions when he knew he couldn't make any throw. The play calling should have been better. He just couldn't and throw. you look that's at, you know, that's two... A, that's two whatever, you know, four-point, two-point losses, six-point, you know, the ton of them. Two of them go the other way, and instead of a meaningless game, they're playing for the division, you know, right. on Sunday. I would say, you know, the injuries, I would say the one game that really hurt them as far as injuries, obviously the, the Raiders game did, and then the Chargers where they had, like, mm-hmm. their fifth corner that was playing top yeah. corner, and that's why they gave up, you know, that was the big anomaly with the points that they gave up. Um, But... You know, at the end of the year, the defense was great. You know, aside of, I mean, aside of a couple of blips, they were pretty much giving up, you know, 20-ish points a game, even less than a lot of them. And you just, you can't waste defensive stuff, you know, defensive effort like that. Everybody's getting older. The tap, the cap's going to get tighter if you have to pay people more, more money. And you just, you have to be better. And I think, you know, if next year, if you start seeing some not better things out of Mayfield or not better things out of Stefanski, I think, definitely one of them has to be gone. Yeah. And maybe yeah. both if you see that regression in both of them again. Yeah. yeah, I think Stefanski just needs to get it. Keep it simple, man. You see the same Keep thing? Keep it simple, stupid. He's, he's like a lot of like, uh, you know, I even rail on LaFleur, McVay, too, these younger and obviously fancy a little older than them. You know, these offensive coaches and just they get too cute. Again, like why... Why are you putting Baker Mayfield in those positions? And then kind of some of the comments he's even made after the season, like he's throwing that on, like that's Baker's fault. I'm like, well, no, you're the coach. Well, and it's Baker. You can tell him it's, you it's can't It's not play. just yeah. Baker, well, too. Yeah. You know, you throw him back there in a five-wide situation, and it's like, yeah, if you're going to leave T.J. Watt on your rookie right tackle <laughs> right. because I was, your top three right tackles are hurt, uh, yeah. I was just about to. But also, Baker Mayfield needs to know that when you have a rookie right tackle there, it's got to be one, two, three, and throw it. Yeah, you got to get rid of it. Worst case, you throw it over someone's head near the sideline, but you have to have that internal clock. It's development, but it's all on him. So don't. But I think that's the perfect. Like that's the perfect situation though to describe like Stefanski, I think, and how he can get better because Watt had ended up having four sacks that game because he's going against you know James Hudson. A lot of raw talent there, 
but like just starting off. A long ways to go with him. Yeah, one and year, that's one basically year offensive tackle in college. Yeah, basically fourth string right. tackle there. Very so one, you're put in that position, but very seldom that game did you ever bring in a back for extra protection. You've got two great tight ends. Three, really. Mm-hmm. Uh never ever really brought them in for extra protection. Like you'd think you'd add, like it goes and with the what? management of the roster. If you were a head coach, you know how you, you know, play you calling st- around you know that you stop game planning amazing, around that. You know, how you stop an amazing pass rusher. Look at what literally every team does to miles. Garrett. He gets chipped all the time. He's dealing with two to three people yep. hitting him every single play. Well, that yeah, was the thing. It's not a pass play. That's the thing. Basically. It's just like, just basic, look at your strengths. You've got depth at tight end. Just keep a tight end in there. And right. put, put a chip on. Do something. But, like, be able to be smarter, what Greg said about being smarter. Be able to be smarter game planning, managing the roster, and maybe give up play calling. Uh, yeah, I mean, that, that might be on the table. Yeah, I, I, you know, I would like to see a better play. I don't know about Van Pelt, but, yeah. If you yeah, could, I don't know about Van Pelt. But that's if the you answer, could get but. a solid play caller, and, you know, you need someone to come through with, like, a... Uh, you know, one of those like plastic like hammer mounts and bonk everybody on the head when they you know when they do all their stupid <laughs> shit. Like, hey, we're gonna go fight. No, no, run the ball, run the ball. So, let's see if Cleveland can do it. Uh, next year, expectations will probably be muted, which is right where we want. <laughs> Virtual mailbag, the Twitter mailbag. Um, we posted a poll to our Twitter, the Twitter sphere, the metaverse, whatever they call it, um, at 30 Racket Sports on Twitter. Uh, it was which team in Ohio? Several have low average ages, you know, right around 25 years old is the average age of their players. So young and, you know, hopefully ready to produce and, you know, get some Ohio, get Ohio some good teams. So they had, uh, so we put there the Cavs. Um, the Blue Jackets, the Browns, and the Guardians, all which have, uh, you know, teams within, like, half of y- half a year of having, like, 25 as their average age. So it came back um, highly with the Columbus Blue Jackets. Yeah, we got 50% surprised. of the vote, uh, just under 40% in second place, the Cleveland Cavaliers. Uh, just over 10% was the Cleveland Guardians, and uh, no one believing in the Browns score. I, I, I think, I think it's right after the Brown season, people are a little bit down. Yeah, yeah. So, Josh, as far as these four teams, who who do you think has that, that lineup that's set for the future? Who are you trusting most if you say, hey, I'm putting my chips in the table. This one's going to have success, you know, for most of the next, or, you know, in the next couple of years. If you come back a few years from now, which team's going to be the most successful? You know, I was leaning. I was going to go Guardians with this, and I hope, I hope Zach is because I abandoned the the listeners made me abandon it because I was not expecting uh, as much Columbus Blue Jackets fans. But they do uh, have the youngest player in the NHL in Cole Sillinger, um, and he's kind of been a spark plug for the team. I think he's shown his uh, offensive creativity and shown why he's up there uh, as only a teenager getting regular shifts in the league. Uh, their average age is 25.1 years old. 
uh, opening night of the NHL season. The Blue Jackets were the youngest roster in the league. I think they're about the third youngest currently. Um, and just last week, youngest roster in the league, just last week, uh, did they dip under 500 for the first time all season. Um, a absolutely banana stat that I found today per NHL.com. Last week, all six Columbus Blue Jackets defensemen uh, combined for a total. Their combined career minutes were 505. 505 career minutes between all six of them. Almost 300 less than the opposing defender, P.K. Subin. <laughs> and, I mean, yeah. <laughs> like, that's crazy. You take a look, you know, in a league. I mean, it's not quite baseball, but you see a lot of, you know, older guys, especially at certain positions. You know, you see, you saw Yaramir Yager out there at 45. So, right. like, it's not like, you know, maybe the NFL where, you know, guys get just over 30 and they're out of the league. Mm-hmm. Right now, the Jackets only have, I want to say it's three players on their current roster that are 30 or older. And yeah. Two of them are 32, and one of them in, uh, in, uh, Jan Francois Barub, who's, uh, like, a like their third goalkeeper. You know, everybody else is under, is under 30. I mean, almost. Some of their, you know, their captain and Boone Jenner, as you mentioned, Elvis Merzlikens is only 27. You know, you mentioned they have an 18 year old running around out there and Cole Sillinger. You know, you see a lot of, you know, late 90s. A handful of guys, you know, um, Boomquist, you know, is 2000. So yeah, I mean, a lot of young guys that have some, you know, that have some talent, several, you know, first round picks, whether it's from the Jackets or in trades, and a lot of, um, you know, guys that uh, are a lot of picks coming up in the future because, you know, as you mentioned, they kind of cleared house, you know, a year or two ago. So this is really their first year of their full rebuild. That's maybe a year yeah. and a half, you would say. Uh, and they're calling it a reset. Um, but I, you I, literally most of the CBJ offense is 22 years old or younger. Um, and like you said, Greg, they've got draft capital. Um, they've got three to four first round picks in the next two years. Um, and I think at least some or all of those could be lottery picks. Um, Kent Johnson, a recent draft pick who's playing at Michigan. He's second on the team for goals and points per game. Um, they've also got another guy in Carson, Quelsman, sorry, first round pick from Wisconsin. Uh, he's yet to come up to, you know, they've got a lot of control yeah. over a young team here for the next couple couple seasons. And yeah, I mean, they have six guys that have, you know, double digit points. So that's and they're goals not, or assists yeah. that are under 25. They're not doing bad. Their defense isn't great. And the Blue Jackets are just consistently so frustrating on, on the power play. Their power play continues. Yeah, they're a young team. But uh, I, I do think they're the best setup for success. Uh, Zach, what about you? What? Are you going Are you going with your guards or are you going? Uh, I mean, I, I, yeah, I, yeah, just, I'm going to go with the Guardians. You're saying there's been a huh? change in the guard. Oh, God, screw you, man. Uh, no, I'm definitely going with the Guardians, I think. Because here's, here's one thing I'm going to point out, I think. Everybody's missing it. Yeah, it's great having young talent, but what does young talent need to be mixed with? Competent management. There's one thing that Cleveland, 
the only team, in my opinion, in professional sports in Ohio that really has competent management is the Cleveland Guardians, who make something out of nothing. Um, they know how to build that roster. Hard I mean, to argue with you there. Exactly. <laughs> that's my point. Like, they know what they're doing. I think, you know, and you want to talk about a team with capital, uh, the Indians have been just hounding middle infield. They have a group of, like, 19 to 22-year-old middle infielders that any team would die for that I believe will eventually be used for trades coming up here this offseason. And arms. They open it up, huh? And arms. And arms. I mean, yeah, I mean, you, you basically got a five-man rotation under 30 right now who could be dominant, throwing a couple extra arms in Eli Morgan. Um, you know, we got some exciting, like, Gabriel Reyes, they think's a kid. He's born in 2000. Killed it at AAA. Um, he, he's right in line to compete for the second base job. Bobby Bradley, still, I'm still up on it. You give him, give him this offseason, give him another year here. Um, young, you know, basically outside of Jose Ramirez, um, who's a, still a perennial top three MVP vote getter. Everybody is like under 30 on that team. The youngest team in baseball last year will be again probably this year. Um, They've done, you know, well drafting. Like I said, they just they have so much build up here. You know, there's a, there's a few spots they need to find a couple corner outfielders. That's kind of the big uh, big concern. But I mean, they got a bullpen locked down already. Their bullpen, um, you know, Simeon Krinicek gets back into place. You have Class A Krinicek, um to go along with, uh, you know, probably Nick Sandlin, Trevor Stephan. All those guys hit 9900. I mean, murder. So yeah, I mean, the pitching staff set. Bullpen set. Need a second baseman and some corner outfielders, and it probably an upgrade at catcher. But um, you know, you're talking about the Blue Jacks kind of reset. I think the Indians coined that a year ago when they came out and said we're not rebuilding, resetting, and they're right there. Like I said, I think they need one or two pieces. Uh, I mean, they're a team who easily should have been 500, just under 500, and last year. Um, and they, I mean, you think about Shane Bieber missed most of the year. I mean, I think their top three starters missed a combined 119 games. True. Um, and they were still keep right there with the White Sox till the about three, you know, third quarter pull basically the season. So. I was gonna say that's one thing they kind of have a similar a similarity between them and the Blue Jackets is the in, Indians last season. You know, kind of came out of the gate real hot and right. over, yeah. uh, outperformed their expectations. Oh, Same definitely. with the Blue Jackets, and that's there's just that youth spark, um, yeah. athletes that can get it done, but putting the full product together it takes some time yeah. no yeah there is tons of i mean watching the guardians or indian i'm gonna call them indians they were the indians last, they were the indians year. last year yeah there were there were some games and some stretches there where you're just watching those games you're like oh like three four errors throwing it around like it's literally yeah it, it's still and i think i they need another year they need to add some pieces and they need another year of getting some of these guys I mean, a lot of these guys you know bobby Bradley's a perfect example of a guy who's been a top prospect for years but because they had that aging roster for so long who you know, really had no big league experience. But had a cup of coffee the uh, the year before, so just even getting him three, four hundred at bats is just so important. But Greg, are you making a case for the Browns or the Cavs? It's got to be the Cavs, right? I, I would have yeah. said the Cavs. I, right. I was going to say I'm going to make a, a a case for the Cavs. Uh, you know, they've been they've been a team that uh, I think I've mentioned a couple times on this podcast. It's just been a joy to watch this year. Uh, you know, you look at them missing what you know some. I would say more than some, probably a lot of people would have said their best player going into the season 
you know, only played 11 games for him and is missing the rest of the season, you know, with a, with a knee injury. You know, also lost, you know, one of their leaders in Ricky Rubio to an ACL injury. You know, right now, if you look at their current roster, as far as guys that are actually playing, so you take off Rubio, you have three guys who, you know, have more than four years in the league. And, you know, uh, one of them's Love, who, you know, does have that cap hold, but is coming off. And he's been really, really good this season in, you know, in his six-man role. He's almost kind of had a career rejuvenation. Uh, Rajon Rondo, who they just got, who's been a great backup point guard, which is something they really need. And then Ed Davis, who's basically like a, a mentor bench warmer role. Yeah. Like, uh, I'm going to show up to practice and teach these kids how to do, you know, do the right thing. Right now, if they were completely healthy, they could have what I would say would be a better than league average lineup that would have five guys that are all 23 or younger. And that would be Garland, who's looking like an all-star. Sexton, who was the best player last year. You know, Okoro is probably more of a guard, but he could be some, you know, him. I mean, Markin and Osman are only 24 and 26. That's not like they're old heads. And then you have that front court of Mobley and Allen, who are 20 and 23, who are averaging, you know, uh, you know, 32 points a game between the two of them and, you know, almost 20 rebounds. So you have these guys, you know, you probably have two-plus all-stars right now, and you're really building something, and you're going to have a lot of guys on some cheap contracts and a yeah. lot of roster flexibility, you know, some picks and whatnot coming up. You have all of your picks. You have flexibility if you want to go out and get someone, you know, Right now with the injuries, you're here and maybe getting another shooting guard like a Karis Levert kind of guy. But you have the flexibility because you have, you know, some solid players and some good teams. And when you're having to start, you know, Lamar Stevens, who is an undrafted guy to Penn State, you know, at your shooting guard to start the game. <laughs> and you're still winning basketball games. And Lamar Stevens is a good, you know, probably ninth guy off the bench but he's not quite a starter right no, no yeah so being able to do that you know because a core because uh sexton's out rubio's out a out you know they were playing osman who's a six seven guy at you know shooting guard at the end because it was him or stevens and you're still able to win that's really impressive because yeah. once yeah. you get everybody back right it's going to be a scary team that can hurt you in a lot of different ways i mean a lot of uh again I'm talking about management typically kept the Baker staff there, right? Kind of holding that together, building that team, building that trust. Yeah, and being they, able to do. I mean, that's part of what he's doing. And right I now mean, you look at maximizing the roster that he has. Guys that were able to get people to, you know, got Rubio to buy in, being that backup right. point guard. Got Love to. I mean, Love looks like he's having as fun as I've seen since LeBron Sometimes left. It's just these old guys needs a bunch of young guys around him. Yeah, like puppy dogs. Almost. You know, able like, to get a lot of people were worried about. <laughs> you know the, what I mean? Just get that energy. Oh yeah. You know? A lot of people were worried about the Rondo fit, and he's been, you know, great for him. Uh, I thought both of the big, like Jared Allen, is like way more of the player than way more of a player than I would have expected him to be. And mm -hmm. you know, the other night they lost at Golden State, and he had a pretty good game, and nobody else really played that well. You know, it was also kind of an emotional game. Clay Thompson coming back, and he said, you know, right. look, we can't, like I can't play that bad again. Like I, I cannot, like I have to push it off. This is on me. Came back, had a great game. Mobley's a guy who is doing things that I, you know, maybe would hope four or five years in he would be able to do. Mm -hmm. He's, I mean, he's my rookie of the year. Maybe I'm slightly biased. But, like, <laughs> really, if you look at anyone, he's top three in rookie of the year. Yeah. So you have them hit. 
you know, some of these guys, you know, you were worried about Garland his first couple of years. He only played five games in college, but it looks like they've hit on a lot of these trades, a lot of these free agent stuff. And when you just start hitting, you know, enough times in a row, you have a team that can overcome stuff and be really good. And I think there'll be a playoff team that's, you know, first off a playoff team, which is huge. And second off a team that, you know, maybe won't beat some of the big teams, but I think can give pretty much any team in the East some fits. Yeah. We'll say of of the teams currently this season, the Blue Jackets, the Guardians, or upcoming season, and the Cavs, the Cavs are easily oh, uh, best yeah. positioned to make a run in the playoffs. Definitely. Definitely. Yeah, so uh, let us know, and uh, we're going to we'll keep posting, you know, some polls. Uh, we want to get the, you know, the pulse of, uh, you know, the 30 Rack listeners. So be sure to check out Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at 30 Rack of Sports to, uh, to be a part of the polls. And if you have any questions, you can always DM us. And, uh, you know, we love to, to hear what the fans are trying to say and, uh, you know, talk about it here on the show. All right, our reading of the can segment. Uh, apparently, they don't quite have the uh, website up yet for uh, Schnitzel. They're brand, they're brand spanking they're new. They're brand spanking new. They have so. the, yeah, they have the restaurant. But if you go to like drinks under the restaurant, it says like, "Hey, we're working on it." So yeah. they don't even have that. <laughs> they right don't even now. have that. So we're working progress. Behind on the old, you so know. So as we've done for uh, a few other select beverages in the past, um, some of those forties we. Jump to our friends at Untapped and Pete W on Untapped has reviewed hey, this beer already. Peter. Um, What's happening? So per Pete W, this beer is what I want to drown in. That's how I die. If I die another way, I expect Lacey and Vinny bag on donuts to weekend at Bernie's me and make it look like that's how I died. Dot 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 with dignity. You you think they are trying to say Vinny bag of donuts and he just misspelled it? Like, I, I, don't know. I, I was he wondering. Did. It gets weird there in the middle. He just says I'm donuts there, so yeah, yeah. I'm donut and maybe bag. maybe he really likes the beer and he's donuts for the beer. I mean, he's it is pro- a good beer. I mean, six point one percent. If he's had a few when he wrote this, he's probably drunk. Um, I don't know if I'd want to. It is pretty good. I might drown in it. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, oh, it's it's very good beer. I, I'm. I, he's not off. Let's put it that way. Yeah, what he's yeah you're it's not a, wrong. It's a very Pete. excellent beer. Um, yeah, they should get Pete like some free merch or something. He's, uh, Pete, he's Pete ain't hard. wrong. Oh, he's going. He's diving in it, man. Oh, yeah. So, uh, guys, if you haven't seen, I mean, the the Schnitz House, they have this. Um, what? It's a buck. I'd say yeah, that's here. a buck. Yeah. So they've they've got it uh, on front of their uh, facility as well, and I guess. So fierce the, looking fella. The uh, the the Schnitzel House was um, opened in two thousand five, and originally, um, you know, the owner whose parents were the ones that opened it, Igor Durin, was like, "Hey, I want to I want a brewery," but it didn't really make sense. They didn't really have a spot for it. And then in two thousand nine, the place right across the street, which was a former stained glass production facility, yeah. became available, and they jumped right at it. So. Uh, they were trying to open it in 2020, but obviously, you know. So they bought into that, <clears throat> excuse me, the building in 2009? 2019. Oh, sorry. I was like, that's a long time to get. So they have, uh, taking a look at some of it, it looks cool. They have like steins with little mm. glasses in it. 
Like, it looks like a yeah. very cool place. I mean, obviously, you know, pretty big uh, facility. So, um, you know, in the Cleveland Oktoberfest, they teamed up with Planted Flag Brewing. Uh, and they uh, won gold in the German ale category. So uh, they were a finalist mm. in the best in German. So they have, a, you know, obviously they are a German, uh, German brewery. So a lot of it is your specific German beer. But it's also um, Parma's only microbrewery. Oh, wow. Oh. Wow, that's kind of surprising, actually. Yeah. Uh, I'm on their Facebook page here and. Guys, we're big IPA fans, so uh, and I this specific type of IPA I'm a very big fan of. But they are brewing uh, today. They're Frank in Stein, Ooh. Frank yeah. in a Stein, uh, Schwarz IPA, mm. little black IPA action yeah. going there, and it does look uh, tasty in the tank there. So we'll have to get up there to the Parma sometime and visit uh, the Schnitz Ale Brewery. Definitely, yeah, and Das Schnitzel House. Das Schnitzel. For our next segment, we're talking a little college basketball. Get back in the swing of things, you know. It's January, and, and usually for a lot of people, that's kind of the start of, yeah. uh, of the winter sports. Yeah. Once uh, football kind of gets out of the way, you get you know you get back into especially, you know, around here a lot of college basketball fans in the state of Ohio. You know, along with you know you got your NBA and your NHL, but we're starting with college basketball. Uh, you know, some solid teams in Ohio. Obviously, in past years, you know, we've had four teams in the Sweet 16. Usually, we'll have, you know, close to a handful of teams in the tournament every year. Right now, five of the top 100 in ESPN's BPI sit in Ohio. So, we're wondering, right now, who is the king of Ohio? Uh, right now, sitting at number 21 in the BPI, um... The 17th ranked in the AP poll, Xavier Musketeers, who sit at 12 and two, two and one overall, uh, sitting at is it number 25, is the Ohio State Buckeyes. Thank you for saying who that. Who sit at uh, 10 and three, uh, four and one, only a half game back at the top of the the Big Ten Conference. Um, number 76, I'm sure. Someone that everyone was expecting to be the third highest ranked team in this conference, the Rockets of Toledo. They actually sit one game behind Toledo. the Bobcats, but uh, the Rockets, three and one in conference, eleven and four overall. Really taking off. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Fuck you. <laughs> For that, but I didn't catch it. Yeah, like, you. Yeah. You said you agreed with me, and then you were like, "Hey, wait a second, that was a pun." <laughs> Speaking of another team that has, you know, almost as high of a ceiling as the Rockets, the Flyers. Hey! Of Dayton, sitting at 79. They're keep it going. <laughs> nine and six. Uh, you know, as we mentioned, one and one in the big, or in the uh, A-10. Got off to uh, a, sl- a tough start that game against the yeah. ECU with the, the uh, uh, late three-pointer they gave up in kind of a, a slugfest. Did beat uh, George Washington, but... Now sit one and one, nine and six, and then sitting down at ninety six, a little bit lower than I would say we're used to seeing the Bearcats. But once again, in kind of a transitional year, sitting at eleven and five, uh, unfortunately one and two in the conference uh, after a tough loss to to Tulane and and Memphis. Pussy so. catting around, you might say. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> 
We've also got a couple teams, your uh, your OUs in, in right states just outside. Oh, and Akron. And Akron, okay. just outside of the top 100. So as far as, you know, you have a little king of the hill, as we put it, in the uh, in the realm of college basketball. Who's really your top team in Ohio? Zach, we'll start with you. Me? Really? Yeah. No. Yeah. Um, I get Xavier's ahead a little bit in the BPI. And they have a win over and they And they won on a weird day in the Cintas. There's yeah, at weird home. shit going It's always on. a weird day in the um, Cintas. I just think Ohio State right now. I, I'd be very confident, neutral floor right now, Ohio State would beat Xavier. I think, um, yeah, obviously they had the loss to Indiana, but I think that woke some things up from what we saw um, in the aftermath. I mean, I just think talent-wise, they're probably top right now. Um, and I, I mean, right now, I think it's them or Xavier. To be, I hate to say Xavier, right? Anybody right now? I mean, yeah. if we're being honest, if we're being honest, I would, I would love to hear some. Uh, I'm gonna, I'm gonna do them their due diligence. Oh, you're I, gonna say figured, Xavier, guys? I figured yeah. you would say Ohio State, That's and fair. I will agree with you on a neutral no. floor. I would confidently back Ohio State, and I would say that they edge Xavier in talent as well. Just to make the argument. Josh showing his true colors again. Yeah, shut up. <laughs> I'm just trying to do my due diligence here for the folks in Norwood. Uh, efficient offense. Ken Palm, uh, their adjusted offense, 20th in the country. Uh, they also get to the line like nobody's business. 22 uh, free throw attempts per game. That's 15th most in the country. Uh They've got a good enough defense, uh, especially rebounding. 41 rebounds a game, 21st in the country. Uh, their Ken Palm adjusted defense, also 36, by the way. So kind of both middle yeah. road there and a well-rounded, you'd All like to team. see there. Um, but the thing that kind of is a difference maker for me when I view Xavier this year from past years is that they have an, a bit of – a bit of a be better X factor this year, no pun intended, um, than they have in past years. And uh, that's a guy that we saw tear up both Ohio State and even more so, extremely so, tear up Cincinnati, and that is Jack Nungy. Um, yeah. And he has been ridiculous off the bench for Xavier this year, off the bench mm -hmm. for the most part. Uh, 12 point, uh, shooting 54.7% uh, from the field this year. 12.1 points per game, 7.1 rebounds per game, a block and a half per game. His shot shooting percentage is up 10% from his previous season averages as a senior this year. Off the bench against UC, had 31 points, a career high, and 15 rebounds. Off the bench versus Ohio State, 14 points, 14 rebounds, three steals, two blocks. The guy is just a, He's a, baller. a spark plug off the bench. Oh, Having a baller yeah. like that come March – you always talk about who are those X Factor yeah. superstars that can come on in March and I'm not gonna argue with you. I just think yeah. you know Ohio State's Ohio State, State corner, Malachi has, Brenham, yeah, who has I, really struggled up till the past. Top week to and bottom, half. I think Ohio State has more talent. Last two weeks, former Mr. Ohio in basketball, uh Big Ten freshman of the week at thirty four points. And that big win, and then you know, twenty four the other night. So I would love to see a nice nice number two to team up with Lydell. Like, this is why we need a Crosstowns in, in Ohio, because I would love to see now. Ohio State and Xavier play on a neutral field, especially later in the season. Court. 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 Rink. Rink. Puck. I mean, 
I don't know why you guys are sleeping on the Rockets. Carousel? You're going to go hey! Rockets. Oh, damn it. I want somebody to... Um, You're going to go Akron. All right. Zip us up. Let's find out. Look, if you don't think I'm going with the Vikings, then you must be <laughs> yeah, out of your say. mind. Uh, but, you know, I would just say from an Ohio State standpoint, you know, they, they did lose that game, but it was close to Xavier. Yeah. Um, you know, their only other losses, you know, that neutral... Court lost to a good Florida team, and then that kind of, you know, out there loss against Indiana, where it was it was very different. And I would just say, you know, Ohio State, outside of the first couple games, and I guess Xavier's both had it. They've had a little bit more up and down games. You know, um, some games, you know, you win by a couple. Some games yeah. you blow them out. You know, Xavier, uh, you know, had a couple of like really weird close games. Uh, you know, especially early in the season and a little bit, you know, later in, uh, you know, in their run. Uh, so, you know, I think both of them are, are going to be tough teams. I could see both of them. You know, I'd probably put both of them as, as second weekend teams because I think mm. they're so veteran laden. But I would say the one thing that, you know, um, Ohio State has over – Xavier is they just have a guy that can get a bucket. And, it, you know, especially watching UC for all those years, having a guy that can get a bucket is the difference between, mm -hmm. you know, a good yeah. team and a mediocre team. And you look at them, you know, they've had a couple of, Xavier's had a couple of awful three-point shooting, you know. I mean, they shot pretty bad against Ohio State, but were able to win in kind of a slugfest. But, you know, their Iowa State game, they went three for 21, uh, six for 23 against, you know, uh, Marquette, or sorry, against uh, Villanova you know, not shooting the ball particularly great if they don't get too much help, you know, mm -hmm. uh, then they're going to be in some trouble. And I, th it's one of those guys where I feel like Nunji can hit shots. You know, some of these guys, Scruggs can get to the basket, but I just, I don't know if I trust as many of them to get a late basket. I will say that that was going to be my knock as it is annually against Xavier, is that they, while at times they may be able, like they seem to hit the clutch threes, they overall are not a good three-point shooting team. Uh, and once again, rank in the Ken Palm top 100 for luck, uh, <laughs> <laughs> which is classic Xavier. Um, it's a weird year overall, though. Cleveland State, too. I will say Cleveland State I'm kind of worried about just because they're getting – you know, they, they lost an overtime game against Oklahoma State earlier in the year. They just needed overtime against Youngstown State. Mm -hmm. They're they're regular needing to score like 80 points or so uh, to win. And it's just like, even if you're a senior team and everything, playing in slugfest oh, all year yeah. long is not going well, to help you come March. Exactly. Now, Matt, I, was saying, I think it's kind of a weird season. It's really kind of, right now, Ohio State Xavier, I think Ohio, overall – as the state has had a pretty good run of uh, having a pretty, you know, good depth amongst the the D one schools, but I'm curious, kind of a two horse race, if you will, as far as yeah, you said it was four four schools right now projected to make the tourney. Yeah, uh, obviously Ohio State and Xavier, and then whoever gets the automatics from uh, Horizon Mac. and Mac. And I will say, you know, taking a look at Toledo. I mean, aside of, uh, you know, kind of an early season, I guess I would say blip against Oakland, 
really their only two other losses are by, you know, three points and then a, a game that kind of got away from them late against Michigan State. You know, I mean, they haven't played, you know, they don't have really any, I would say, good wins. You know, they have, you know, they did beat a Tulane team, which is 3-1 and one in the American. You know, they beat Charlotte, uh, you know, beat a few of these teams that are looking to be okay. But, you know, it could be, we'll say, interesting going, uh, you know, going uh, through the rest of the season, especially if you look at them versus Ohio. I think both of those teams can, can cause issues. Yeah, that's next, because Ohio's, next Friday. Yeah, I mean, Ohio's only two losses this year are to, you know, the cream of the crop in the uh, SEC. I mean, they beat a Cleveland State team, who I think is pretty good by 11. The only two losses is Kentucky and LSU. Right. And everybody yeah, else. They played Kentucky pretty good f- yeah. for, good I'd say, three game. quarters of the yeah. game. Yeah, and I mean, you know, um, what? I don't think, I think, yeah, I guess their last two conference games, but out of conference, they did not have, I mean, they beat every team by at least double digits except for one. Like, I, I personally, if as far as the MAC goes, I like, I like the Bobcats to win it all. Yeah. But it's one of those, the MAC is so interesting because there's those teams like Miami and Akron that, like, come tournament time, you never know. It takes right. one game to screw up the whole bracket in a conference like that. Exactly. So... I don't know. And then can we all just to wrap up, take 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 some appreciation for the grand and wild resume of our alma mater in what is absolutely a rebuild resume, uh, a 20 point win over then 14, now number 25, Illinois, Ken Palm, number 12, a two point loss to Monmouth, <laughs> Ken, Ken Palm, 114, one point win, barely. Greg, you were at this game, uh, Miami of Ohio. Oh, Ken Palm's 134. 20-point one. loss to Xavier, an 8-point loss to Tulane, and then a 7-point win versus SMU and a well-played but 7-point loss uh, at Memphis. But, I mean, I say if the Bearcats play like they have their past two games. Yeah, oh, yeah, they then, played well against Memphis. Um, and, and in the game we, against Illinois. That yeah, Bearcats yeah. team, I think, can at least make some noise. Which I thought is, they looked good against SMU uh, as well. You yeah. Know, overall, I mean good team effort there um the high that's very highs and lows of a group of people who are really trying to yeah. figure each other out night to night who's stepping up when you know i will say davenport's off who's 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 stepping up that's kind of what you're looking for if david DeJulius can continue i mean his past two games 46 percent from the field 18 and a half uh points average between the two games if he can Keep that up and be kind of like the veteran mold of the team. Yeah. Then I think we can accelerate this a little bit. But yeah, you just got ways to go here. They got plenty of time to get gelling. And basketball is one of those sports you see team. It's just like that, right? Like something starts clicking. So yeah, and I think uh, you know the one thing that I guess you look for in a team like this is obviously you have a few guys that that are going to be your stop gaps, but having guys like you know. Micah Adams-Woods, who, when we, you mentioned that Miami game, was, I th- want to say, 1 for 11 or 1 for 12 from the field. You know, his last two games, he's had yeah, career-high 15, and, or a career-high 17, and then 15, 6, and 5. You know, you look at him, before this or before those games, he had, you know, what, a handful of other times with 11, but, you know, a lot of, you know, one for seven against Asheville, two for 11 against Xavier, one for 12 against 
Miami of Ohio, 2 for 11 against Illinois. So seeing some growth in him where he's getting some more confidence hitting those shots. You know, in a couple of years, if you get some, you know, if you get a Micah and Mike, at, Mike Saunders, you know, moving forward, you get Lockin moving forward, you know, get some of those high-level freshmen right. coming in. You could be a solid team. Also, if mm-hmm. we had Tarese, that would be great. Oh. oh, man, that's been brutal to watch, Danny, not having him. Great, great basketball player. He'll, he'll end in the SEC, too, tearing it up down there. So, guys, before we get to the end of the King of the Hill, how many Ohio teams do you see in the tournament? Which ones? Uh, I think I four. I'm just not. I can't confidently say five right now. No. Um, because I I'm not confident that the Bearcats have two more weeks. Give me two more. Weeks yeah, have the resume right where. now. We'll see how they do in conference play. Yeah. Um, but like I also don't have the confidence that they could win the tournament. Now they blew blew that away last year, but I confidently am putting four. Right, yeah, four. Like I said, give me a couple more weeks. I'll give you more definitive feeling on UC because they've just been all over the place. Ohio State, Xavier, Cleveland State. And then and anybody from the Mass, somebody, yeah. Yeah, I would say I would lean, you know, three to four. I would say probably four because I think Cleveland State's been the best team and Wright State's probably one of the more talented teams so i would expect to see either of them come out um yeah i would say the other issue is you know cincinnati unless they turn it on and i I don't know if i expect them to see a good enough resume for them to get in at this point you know your other teams your you know toledo's ohio's dayton's you know teams that would be the other choices to try to sneak in just don't quite have the at-large resume right. to, to figure anything out so i would i would also probably say four so there's your intro See. into uh college basketball as we get things rolling here on 30 racket sports moving into basketball season what's brewing ohio First, what's brewing Ohio in a while, um, but I'm going to keep it to one brewery, one of our favorite breweries, uh, one of our OG breweries that we had in one of the first few episodes, Fatheads. Uh, and for those of you that like IPAs, this is going to yes, be uh, great news for you. For those who don't, there's some some stuff in here, but this is probably not for you. A uh, lot of new stuff coming from Fatheads this year, including a beer believed to be the only of its kind, not in Ohio, but in all of America. Uh, first off, already released, Alpha Ambush. Uh, that's Fathead's newest creation um, and an ode to those who really, really love their hops. It's a West Coast IPA. It's out in cans now. And then soon after that, we'll see St. Fatty's, a new Irish-style red ale. Um, that'll be uh, here springtime soon. And then shortly after that, we'll see uh, Fatheads will release their first variety pack of the year. And this is where things get interesting. Uh, it will be an all-IPA variety pack, and it will feature the launch of their new year-round beer, Freddy. Freddy is their new year-round beer, and it uh, is an IPA, and it is wet-hopped, and it will be available all year-round. Who's Freddy? I don't know who Freddy is. I didn't read into <laughs> it that much. Um, Freddy Fathead. Um, I don't know. Uh, but... Uh, 
we talked about it a little bit on the show, what wet hops are. Uh, they're recently harvested. It's when you use hops that have been recently harvested. They're not, uh, they're not dry hopped. They're not, uh, you know, processed or anything. They're, they're fresh. They're fresh. Um, and this is part of a, a process that Fatheads tested last year with Yakima Chief Ranches in Washington. And uh, Fatheads uh, management has said they hope to be able to do this, uh, these more IPA variety packs for a long time. But this is believed to be the only uh, wet hopped IPA available year round like this in the whole country. So a very unique thing coming from one of Ohio's best, one of Ohio's greatest, and one of Cleveland's favorite in Fatheads. Um, we'll try and have another Fatheads on here soon, but that's a lot of new stuff coming from hat Fatheads. Be on the look. Insta-freeze technology. Yeah, it's some, it's some cool stuff that they're trying out. I encourage you to read more about it. Um, as always, visit theohiocraftabeer.org for all your brewery news. That's what's brewing in Ohio. All right, as we finish things up on another edition of 30 Rack of Sports, we're going to end the show as we always do, giving our cheers. Uh, first off, I want to give a cheers to uh, Schnitz Ale Brewing in Parma, Ohio. Uh, really enjoyed uh, this beer. and. Oh, yeah. uh, I'm excited to try. We have another beer once again. We're back to our, uh, you know, midweek and then late week podcasts. Uh, so there will be a Friday episode. That one, if you're looking for Bengals talk, we're going to have a lot of it getting mm -hmm. into some of the demons and the matchup ahead. So uh, be sure to check that out. Also, you know, want to give a shout out to all the listeners. Uh, thank you so much for listening. You know, uh, making yourself known on some of the polls. It's always interesting to see, you know, like Josh said, he would have never thought about it if people don't get involved. So yeah. be sure to, uh, you know, get involved on our polls and, and always thank you so much for listening. So uh, to the host shout outs, Josh, who are you shouting out this week? Well, Greg, it's funny you mentioned uh, demons and the bangles and such. I was just going to shout out to one of the, Greatest uh, multi-sport athletes, probably the greatest multi-sport athlete that has ever walked the earth, uh, one Bo Jackson. Uh, and just his career, how awesome it was, what a great player and person that he is. And uh, yeah. yeah, yeah, I can't say enough nice things about Bo Jackson. Thoughts about him on Tech Mobile. The Raiders. Cheap or not? Uh, cheap or not on uh, Tech Mobile? Oh no, no. Are you talking? Are you talking OP? No, no. Greatest <laughs> to ever do it. <laughs> Cheers, Bo Jackson. Tenfold. Uh, if you want to, I throw a pig into the sun if I could. Why? Uh, why Josh is talking so much about Bo Jackson? We will get into that a whole lot more on our Friday episode. Zach, who are you cheersing this week? Uh, I am cheersing. Mike Doss, former Ohio State safety, uh, was just announced as part of the next uh, College Football Hall of Fame class. Uh, one of only eight Ohio State players to be a three-time All-American, defensive MVP of that uh, Fiesta Bowl national title win over uh, Miami. Nice six-year career in the NFL. Um, really great dude. Um, everything you hear about him, like top-notch, big in the community, always has been. Um, so just kind of one of those underrated guys you don't really hear people talk about anymore at Ohio State, but, like, big-time player, big-time honor, pretty excited. You know, he'll be there 
Um, I'm not sure when they're doing it yet, but pretty excited for, uh, you know, they'll do the 20 year for the O2 national title team this year too. So comes full circle. Another guy getting some recognition. It's always cool yeah. to see, you know, some of the guys that had the, the great college careers where, you know, it didn't, yeah, they didn't quite either because out, of yeah. just, you know, skill set. you know, sometimes, sometimes guys just, just don't, yeah, yeah. Aren't, yeah. Aren't, aren't, you know, just don't have the, don't have some of the raw talent, but you could tell was, you right. know, was a good player, especially in college. Uh, my shout out comes from uh, last night's game. First off, I want to give a shout out to one of the weirdest uh, mid-game things I've seen. The Kings had a denim cam last night. A denim cam? Where they denim? just had people like showing their like denim jackets and like denim jeans. There were that many weird. people wearing denim? Well, you know, Sacramento's a denim hub. S- Sacramento's a very I, I, I've been there on several occasions. I, I didn't I'm notice, very confused. I didn't notice the denim. But. They were, because uh, if, you, if you watch League Pass, Instead of uh, the commercial, sometimes you get just, the you'll just get whatever's going on on the jumbotron. So seeing dem- denim cam and seeing like people like try to grab their denim shirts from like their friends to put, it was very weird. But that shout out to the odd. denim cam. It was as excited as I've seen people at that, sports games, especially in Sacramento. For anybody like who that. hasn't been to Sacramento, that that literally describes how boring it is. So yeah. wow. Uh, yeah. The other shout out comes at the end of that uh, that Kings Cavs game. Uh, the Cavs were up, I want to say, 109, 102. Got down to 109, 108 with the Kings having the ball. Uh, Rajon Rondo able to make a, a great defensive play, staying in front of De'Aaron Fox, forcing him into a tough off-balance shot, which he missed. Cavs get the 109, 108 win. So just shout-out to him and the organization for doing their due diligence. A lot of people worried about the fit, but they, you know, they talked about it beforehand, and it seems like he brings a whole lot to the table you know only three games but you know he's helping out the team the team seems you know invested mm-hmm. he seems to be invested in coming off the bench so overall you know it seems to be be a great match so far rondo and the Cavs. so shout out to a, a guy that i've uh been at odds with several times the guy who looks like franklin the, the turtle he does uh you know <laughs> when he was with the celtics but but shout out to to rondo Guys, I think that is going to do it, though, for another edition of 30 Rack of Sports. As we said, be sure to check out our Friday episode, get to talk some Bengals. So it should be exciting and interesting, and uh, hopefully Josh doesn't cry or get too choked up about it. So uh, for Zach on the opinions, good, bad, or otherwise. See ya. For Josh on the ones and twos and weird Bengal noises. Go Bengals. I'm Greg. Thank you so much for listening to another edition of 30 Rack Sports. Peace.